And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. In the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here today. Sometimes we can't all get together, and uh, we were able to do that today. And I appreciate you coming up to the studio. We had a listener question that came in, a couple of questions. We may only tackle one of them. And it's regarding um, the gospel of Christ and people who have not had the privilege of hearing the gospel. And um, we call them uh, unreached people groups, perhaps, that uh, the person uh, never learns about Jesus Christ, and uh, eventually that person dies, and they die in their ignorance of the gospel. And the question is, uh, how does God treat that person? So uh, before we get to that whole question, we thought maybe what we could do is talk about, uh, John Vance, what you called the ordinary means of coming to faith in Christ, and uh, at least review that first. The Apostle Paul talks about how people come to faith in Christ in Romans, of course, and we come to faith through the hearing and preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And uh, he, he, he says that that's why preachers are called. That's why Christians witness to their faith. People ordinarily respond to the heard message. In other words, we could say in one sense, Paul is saying there that salvation comes through the ear and consequently understanding. And so it's like the uh, Ethiopian uh, who was on the road there, and uh, when the the uh, prophet joins him, he says, do you understand what you read? And he really needed an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and that's... Uh what we normally have. The ordinary means. Yeah. yeah. It's a word and sacrament ministry. That's why we encourage people to, to get to church, because uh, we not only are brought to faith in Christ, but our faith is sustained through the preaching and teaching and sacramental ministry of the church. Sure. The sacraments are signs and seals, for instance. So in a real sense, we're talking about uh, understanding and um, following Christ. He called his disciples, and the word disciple, for instance, has the root word of pupil or or student. And so in one sense, we are brought in to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will, uh, through uh, hearing and receiving that word, and we are maintained and sustained mm-hmm. uh, in the kingdom and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ through the same means. Now, Mark, your son is with uh, Wycliffe Translators as a pilot, and uh, certainly they understand thoroughly how important the Word of God is, and they translate that Word into uh, the people's, what they call the people's heart language, don't they? Exactly right, and that's, you hear the Word better when you hear it in your heart language, and there's something about uh, hearing God's Word in your own language, that's why it's so important. I had a professor uh, in seminary who was from Germany, and he spoke English very well. But we used to get together. Uh, there was a group uh, that he led, and, and he once uh, said, you know, he says, I prefer you other students uh, lead us in prayer, he says, because when I pray, I pray in my heart language, <laughs> and, which is <laughs> right. German. And, of yeah, course, none of us sure. would have understood him. <laughs> yeah, it's a good that point. Frolic? 
It was coffee for like yes. Yeah. yes, interesting. Yeah. So the ordinary means of coming to faith in Jesus Christ is very simple. We hear the preached word, or we may receive a Bible and read about Christ, read about our separation from Him, our sins, what we call man's depravity. Maybe read about that, and we come to a realization that we need forgiveness that we need the blood of Christ applied to our account, cleansing our sins so that we can trust Christ ourselves. Billy Graham used to say uh, over and over in his uh, sermons, of course he's no longer publicly speaking that I know of now, he's well into his 90s, but he used to say, and I thought it was a great uh, uh, expression or choice of words, he says, we are sinner by nature and by practice. We're born into sin, and we practice sin. And our sins have separated us, of course, uh, from God and his, his uh, great salvation. And the ordinary means of bringing people back to that, making them aware of the fact that they are sinful, but also making them aware of the mercy and grace of God, that it is by grace through faith that we are saved and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God based on what Jesus did on the cross and on what he did on Easter, being raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So uh, while, while uh, uh, we mention that, how, how wonderful it is at this time of the year, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Jesus Christ and that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that we are saved through his death and his resurrection. Mm. So uh, that's the ordinary means of the ministry, and we must declare it, as Paul did, and as all the missionaries down through the centuries, so that people might hear the word of God. Mm. Well, so that's the uh, ordinary means of salvation, and uh, there's much more. We could talk for hours and days about that, certainly, but uh, we do have a, a question on the table. What we'll do now, we'll take a short break, When we come back, we'll start um, talking about those who have never heard. And what about the extraordinary means? And so stay with us. This is Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer. We'll be right back. Paul was weary on his journey, his body frail and weak. The apostle knew the end was near as he dipped his pen in We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. 
We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Paul and Timothy are gone, but the letter still remains, and the mission that was written down calls out to us today. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We've been talking about salvation, and the first part of our discussion was the ordinary means God uses to uh, bring a person to faith in himself. Um, This part of the discussion, we want to start talking about those who have never heard of the gospel and uh, end their life in that uh, state of having never heard uh, what then. And so um, this is a tougher part of the discussion, and so uh, who wants to get us started? I I think, Dan, what you have to do in this, uh, maybe in this section of the discussion, is maybe we need to break those groups up into, into different groups because you have a number of different classifications here. One, you have people who are in such remote areas they've never heard before. Two, you have people who may be uh, mentally incapacitated so that they Mm. cannot articulate or speak well and give back to you what you have just told them. And then also you have infants, those infants who have died. And then you have to distinguish also between covenant families and non-covenant families. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, my daughter came home once from uh, Christian school, and um, her teacher had told her that uh, nobody could be saved unless they could receive by faith the Lord Jesus and understand what he did on the cross for them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my daughter instinctively knew, though I hadn't discussed it with her, that what about those who were incapacitated and could mm-hmm. not possibly grasp the message? Sure. Or what about the infant the child that dies in infancy, when Martin Luther's uh, daughter died, and she died at a very young age, but probably old enough to receive uh, Christ. Mm-hmm. But if she wasn't, nonetheless, he says, we have sent a saint to heaven. heaven yeah. that he wept really over her. Yeah, that yes. was Magdalena, I think. That was Magdalena, yeah, it was. Yes. And he says, yeah. we've sent a saint to heaven. Now, Evidently, he had a different perspective and understanding than maybe a lot of our listeners might Mm -hmm. when it comes to this. Well, let me put that close to home. 
I sent a saint to heaven last year, um, Anna Karen. That's true. And, yes. And I believe it with all my heart. And, yes. and the reason I believe it is uh, she was a covenant child. She received the signs of the covenant. I believe she was elect of God from the very first, from yes. from her conception, from before her conception, to the time she left this 11 hours mm-hmm. after she was born. You bring up the word uh, and concept of election, and what we have to say, I think, in this section of the program, uh, for us here anyway, uh, our discussion will be based on the fact that we do not work up or, or um, achieve our own salvation, but it is right. a gift from God, and it is always a gift for those who are elect. I know that election is a difficult matter for some people who maybe don't understand it and haven't been properly Mm -hmm. uh, exposed to the teaching. But everything that I say from here on out will be based on the fact that salvation lies with the Lord. Exactly. And he is sovereign, and and he gives uh, our offspring, uh, both in the Old and the New Testament, we have a promise, a positive promise from God that he will be a God to us and to our children. Mm. Now, we call that the covenant. And he says it to Abraham, that I will be a God to you and to your children. And then Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and reiterates those words. That's right. Mm -hmm. I will be a God to you and to your children and to as many as are far off. And so as many as the Lord our God shall call. So, yes, we can say here that, yes, God's electing love uh, enables, for instance, children who die in infancy uh, who are in the covenant, the parents have a positive promise from God that they will see their child in heaven. They really do. David did. David did. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest examples we have is uh, when he and Bathsheba's first child died, David said, you know, he will not come to me, I will go to him. Now, I know it's been translated in different ways or interpreted in different ways, but I believe he's he's actually saying, I'm going to meet this child in heaven. Yes, that seems to be the implication, overwhelming implication yes. of that passage. Otherwise, why say it? That's right. And But again, notice that it was David, a man of God, in the covenant, this child, the covenant child. This is so comforting to uh, Christian parents who uh, want to see their children in heaven, obviously, and lose an infant. And you guys can remember cases. Mark, you just cited one. Uh, I've experienced cases in the church where um, our friends lose a child. And we can provide great comfort to those Christian parents because of the covenant. It's a very uh, sweet, warm, uh, endearing uh, doctrine that, that the promise is to you and to your children. These are not just idle words. They really carry a lot of weight, and they're very pastoral. And so because of the covenant, there is hope. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick to add, it's, it's not because of their innocence. Mark, maybe you right. could help us on that a little That's, bit. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> there's not two ways of salvation in, in one sense, you know, by grace through faith or through ignorance, Right, And I don't know whether we want to get into this, but uh, some of the teaching that talks about age of accountability, I just don't see that in the scriptures. No, but I I think there's great hope um, when we look at it from the point of view of uh, God's promises. Exactly. It's God's promise. But here is the uh, key. We're not talking about two ways of salvation, for sure. Right. It's not uh, 
Jesus clearly states, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but through me. And we're not talking about some who are saved through their ears, so to speak, and I've talked about that that little phrase. Mm -hmm. And they heard and responded, and then the infant is is through ignorance or absence. or uh, No, we're talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit sovereignly can apply the blood and redemption of Christ uh, in a sovereign way, and we must not confine salvation to our intellectual capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be something that the Scripture does not do. And so uh, that is an important point. I was going to say, in principle, we're probably the same, although we might d- disagree on some of the details. Uh, faith is not dependent on an intellectual cognition. I believe faith can be present without that. Now, uh, some people would argue, but I think this principle is the same. God's sovereign grace applying the blood of Jesus Christ to those who may not be able to articulate it. A faith is a trust. It's a capacity. Yeah. It's a cup that's open that God pours something into. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the infants can have that capacity as well. It. So Luther talked about this, and so did John Calvin, and yeah. so did a lot of the Reformers. Mm-hmm. They really didn't disagree on this. No. Uh, now, we do today because we've been confused, I think, by this age of accountability. Yeah. Uh, matter. I grew up under that assumption that uh, you you were saved up until about 11 or 12 years of age, and then you kind of came of age and did some things and got guilty, and you were lost. Mm. <laughs> well, that I don't think you find in the Scripture. No, no. Now, there is, um, there is an old document. You fellas certainly know it. It's the Westminster Confession, and uh, it does cover this case of uh, elect infants, as they call it, elect infants dying in infancy. And no surprise, they say they're regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit, who works when and where and how he pleases. Um, It it extends even further. It says, uh, so also are all uh, other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the Word. Before we started, John, you were mentioning the, the extraordinary means that God sometimes uses. Well, we have it, uh, examples in Scripture. Uh, mm-hmm. The prime example is Abraham. He was called out of heathen darkness, mm. even before he was in covenant with God, because remember, the covenant wasn't established with him until he got to the promised land. But nonetheless, he was called out of heathen darkness uh, in a sovereign, divine mm-hmm. way, and apparently even his own father did not share his faith. Mm. Uh and then we have the example of Job. Job was neither Jewish, nor did he live in the Holy Land. He lived somewhere in the east, the land of Nod. We're not quite sure where <laughs> it was. But Job was at least a contemporary of Abraham, if not earlier. Therefore, God sovereignly worked in his heart and life and said he was a just man in his own generation, meaning that he had sovereignly become aware of God and his wonderful grace and salvation, and sought that in his children. Hmm. Yeah, we see that. And you look at something like that, and you see some of these things in the Old Testament, and they spring up here and there. Uh, People who obviously know God, but they're not Jews. They're not in that covenant. Rahab. Rahab. Wonderful example there. Another one. And you see how God has picked them out and does that, even though in many ways they obviously had a large degree of maybe ignorance towards it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we see in the Old Testament 
from time to time. So, so let me let me uh, restate this. Uh, we we have the ordinary means of coming to Christ, and certainly that's that's how mission missions works. The missionary right. and that's our motivation field. to go to the world, definitely, yeah, um, and preach the gospel. And you know, this is the ordin- ordinarily how it works in what ninety nine percent of the cases or whatever. But I don't know the percentage. <laughs> but um, there's this other aspect that God is sovereign, and if He chooses to put His finger on somebody's life and bring them to faith, He will do it. Well, John chapter three is a testament to what you just said. The Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where he comes or where he goes, but he is doing a work all the time. Jesus warns us that there is a work that's going on that will surprise us in the end. (laughs) Yeah. He says uh, Mm -hmm. in more than one uh, place, he implies this, and so does the Apostle Paul. Paul says, we look through a glass darkly. We're only saying, if you will, not even the tip of the iceberg. It has been estimated that we only see a slice of the universe. Mm. It's a very small portion. But God, who's sovereign in his judgment as well, we got to mention that. And But mercy is doing something far beyond what we can imagine mm-hmm. or think. And so uh, I'm glad uh, that there is a wideness in God's mercy. But we, we did talk briefly just before, and Mark reminded us uh, – that also there is judgment, and of course God sovereignly judges as well. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the things that we have to always be careful of because, you know, you look at that, and of course I think that's it, what distorted a lot of the church in the 19th centuries when they started looking at all these peoples and said, hey, they've never heard. Well, God certainly has to save them. No, he doesn't. Now, is some of his elect among them? I believe probably mm-hmm. there is. And and we've had missionaries that have gone into lands and places and found people that have come up and said, ah, oh, this is the one that, that we've yes. known about, but we just haven't known his name. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, or John, you had a great phrase. What was that? Well, there was, there was a they had a blank that was filled in with the preaching of the gospel, but the blank was there, meaning that they had the concept and the understanding, right. the idea, mm-hmm. in a sovereign way, yeah. and they responded to the name of Jesus immediately. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And so, you you see that, but on the you know just to say, well, just because you're ignorant or they have to no, and and that I think also applies to infants. Mm-hmm. Are all infants saved? I don't believe so. There, there are two kinds no. of ignorance uh, or not knowing. Yeah, There is uh, ignorance, which means not knowing and you're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And God does judge. There is such a thing in Latin, a wonderful Latin word called nescience. It mm-hmm. means not knowing. I don't know how many grains of sand there are on the world's seashore, but I'm not responsible for knowing either. Mm-hmm. Um and it is true that we can apply that concept, particularly with infants. Uh, they have a seed form of faith, if you will, but they cognitively do not know and have not the capacity at that point. And that may well extend beyond what we know. But on the other hand, we don't trust that. We preach the gospel to every creature, and we have to go to the ends of the earth. And as a matter of fact, that is the Great Commission. And so whatever I have said, I'll just say for myself, uh, it is in no way uh, to undercut or mitigate the responsibility of the Great Commission. I would go and be on that to say, if ignorance is an excuse and God saves people because they're ignorant, 
then we shouldn't be sending the gospel to them. That's another because way of salvation. Yeah, let them, let them because alone. they're already <laughs> saved. That's a good point. You know, and, and I've, I've actually heard this used I have too. by a person to justify, um, well, not to justify. They, the person was obviously against abortion, but basically said, well, hey, you know, all these aborted babies are in heaven. I even heard uh, a Methodist Whoa. class leader one time years ago, uh, and I grew up Methodist, and uh, I remember him saying, uh, when someone asked him what was his Bible schedule reading, he says, I don't read the Bible because I feel like if I, if I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not responsible for <laughs> responsible God's judgment. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's carrying it really out of uh, into left field. But C.S. Lewis says something uh, that is important here uh, about those who do hear and say no. God is obligated, due to his justice, mm-hmm. to take our no's seriously. Mm. And so uh, when we preach the gospel, uh, whether it's a yes or a no, it is doing the Lord's work. Because the what is it in Isaiah? It says, my word will not return unto me void. void, And so we must trust that word to be preached to accomplish its purpose. You know, I'm just looking at the clock here, gentlemen. We're out of time for the discussion today. Just uh, maybe like a one-minute summary. Come back to the ordinary means of hearing the gospel. Yeah. We have the ordinary means, and that's what we're responsible for. And what is that? To preach the Word of God, to tell the people that they are sinners first, that they are in need of a Savior because they are alienated from God, and God supplied that Savior in Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, who came and died on the cross as sacrifice for our sins. And except through Jesus, there is no salvation. Mm, well put. This has been Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer. Uh, this episode is up on our website. Check it out. It's at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. In the studio with me today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Redemption to a lost and dying